So on this um, last um, occasion to be with you, as you know, I've been going through some unusual saints, using the date of their death as a sort of illustration and using them all as uh, sort of markers of the kingdom of God, signs of, of the kingdom, signs of the church. We began with Eberhard Arnold, that great uh, witness to community living, who, uh, of course, um, died and, and resisted the National Socialists. Miguel Pro on the Lordship of Christ, his sombrero, you know, shouting out. Wonderful man and um, extraordinary. I, I mentioned the Goya painting always made me think of him. Then John Lafarge, his commitment to equality was profound and all how he influenced the church, um, that Jesuit. And then, of course, they weren't all Catholic. We looked at Isaac Watts and the hymns we sing and uh, the 600 hymns he contributed to the church. So we're, we're a church of equality, a church that sings, a church under the Lordship of Christ, and a church with a commitment, a deep commitment together. And then I mentioned Sojourner Truth, because that's another mark of us. We aren't uh, many strong, we aren't powerful, we are the weak. And uh, that's illiterate slave woman who helped shape the United States and its constitutions. Extraordinary gift extraordinary woman and then we moved to Dorothy Day and so she was my first convert really and uh, Dorothy's commitment to serving the poor this is again a mark of us then um, of course St Andrew's the feast day and I said that the church is made by the Holy Spirit so today I want to do a revert not a convert a revert um, and uh, he has an unusual story uh, again, like the others, it was on the 1st of December, he died, so I'd done that, and uh, he was shot and murdered on, in 1916, uh, and uh, as uh, Father said, it's um, someone who's really well known, he became a saint last year, officially a saint, canonised last this year, okay, and uh, so he is a proper saint, oh, and they're all proper, but you know what I mean, they're, all, they're not improper, they're, they're people we can all give thanks for. So Charles de Foucault. Now, um, I read some of his biography. You can get it online. This was a spoilt aristocratic child, uh, a difficult youth um, given to tantrums and irresponsibility. He wasn't, a, he wasn't auspicious beginning, Foucault, not at all. If you read it, it's shocking, having these tantrums and carrying on. And then, of course, didn't know what to do, wandered into the army. Now, remember, French colonialism. So they had a lot of North Africa and other areas, the French. So he ended up in North Africa. But again, that didn't work out well. Scandalous behavior. Um, you had to be really bad to be kicked out, and he was. So, he, he, so this aristocratic uh, Frenchman kicked out of the army. But that experience of him in the desert changed things. It changed his life. So he decided to go back and he joined the French Geographical Society to do a dangerous exploration of Morocco. And in those days, it was dangerous. Um, all sorts of bandits, but even to be a non-Muslim in that context was a challenge. But somehow the desert had got into his heart. But not only that, something else had touched him deeply. Something extraordinary that we need to hear. Something that I encountered myself um, when I was responsible in a large area of, of um, England, there were 88 mosques in my area and, and madrasas, and I was the man responsible for interreligious dialogue and community relations. The deep piety of the Muslims challenged Foucault, and he had lost his faith. He'd become an atheist, but somehow 
along with these people, and, and I'm of the mind that Islam is heresy. So, you know, I can show you that. I mean, so I've done Islamic studies in the Middle East and so on, but people pray. And it was that natural piety brought him back to good. He said this, as soon as I believed that there was a God, I understood that I could do no other than to live for him. And his religious vocation dates from the same moment as his faith. So what did he do? He went off on a pilgrimage into the Holy Land to follow the steps of Jesus. I don't know if any of you have had that privilege uh, to do that. It's so wonderful. When I was converted, I did the same. I went off as a 17-year-old to the Holy Land and wandered around, went into a kibbutz and encountered people. And it changed my life. It changed his life. So he went to there and uh, um, he then, he, it had a profound impact on him, that experience. So then he went into the Trappists and he spent, I think, seven years in the monastery, but they weren't tough enough for him. The Trappists weren't tough enough for him. He wanted something deeper and something really that gripped him. So he left the Trappists and then he went back extraordinarily to Nazareth. And if you've been to Nazareth, had any of you been to Nazareth, have you been? Have you seen the Paul Clare's house at, at Nazareth? It's, he worked as a sort of gardener, um, really lowly. So look, think about this. This is an aristocratic gentleman. Privileged upbringing, lots of money and background. He's given it all up. And he's working for Paul Clare's as their sort of do-it-all man, you know, fixing windows and weeding. Isn't it wonderful? Just imagine him there. And I tell you, it's so... Because Why? Why? The essential insight which impressed Foucault was the fact that Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, had been a poor man and a worker. We forget this. Or when we think about humility, we often think quite rightly and understanding about the Blessed Virgin Mary. But quite frankly, the ultimate humility is God becoming man and spending most of his life in this awfully funny place, Nazareth. 80% of his life, if not more, is spent in obscurity, our Lord. And that caught Foucault's imagination. Do you know, I loved it this morning when another priest came along and I could sit behind him in the spirit of Foucault. <laughs> downward. Christ's path is downward. And the only way to sanctity and holiness is downward, brothers and sisters. Downward. So it's great. I know it's tiny and I'm still up here, but anyway, I liked the idea. So it suited me doing Foucault. He tried to put it in pra practice. Nazareth, he realized, though, can be any place. It can be here. It doesn't have to be over there with the poor Clares. He realized that. So he went off. He got ordained and he went to back to Algeria, to the oasis of Beni Abbas, which is on the border of Morocco. And he wanted to develop a new model of contemplative religious life, a community of little brothers, and to live among the poor in spirit, in service and solidarity. He said this, the whole of our existence, the whole of our lives should cry the gospel from the, fruit stop, uh, from the rooftops, not by our words, but by our lives. That's the spirit of Francis of Assisi. When all else fails, speak. Yeah, it's our lives that they'll know. And he spent 15 years in the desert. Uh, when they found that remote Beni Abyss became too congested, 
he decided to go even greater solitude in the Tamaraset. It's a small um, outpost in the rugged Hogar. And it was there in 1916. So the First World War's broken out. And colonial powers have proxy wars going on all the time. We know about this, don't we? So, I mean, so the Germans and the French were sort of fighting, of course, in Europe. But things were going on. The Turag rebels thought him, former, former French officer, you know, was a spy. If you can see films of him, films are made about him. Have you seen any of those? They're extraordinary. I remember seeing the film where the Turag rebels kick in the door and shoot him in the head. You should read his biography. It's so exciting. Because when they uncovered a general, a French general who's committed to him, wanted to make a sort of, um, like a, a sort of shrine for him, and they uncovered his body, it was incorrupt. And those of his companions had rotted away. We're talking about a godly man here, an extraordinary man. And what can he tell us? I've said each of these people tell us something. I'll tell you what he tells us. I'll tell you what he shows us. What's the kingdom of God? What sign of the kingdom does Charles de Foucault tell us? Presence. Do you know how many people he baptized that led to Christ? Two. You're wrong. <laughs> By one, it's true. Two. I mean, so he, he's writing these directories and sending them out and imagining lots of people will come and join him. Oh, it'll be wonderful. It'll be like the missionaries of God's love. Lots and lots of vocations. Nobody turned up. Nobody came. Can you imagine? But he understood. Think about Christ. Think about Christ. Think about the apostles. How many people? But look at us now. It's all so marvellous. You know, for the early church, the apologists, one of the signs that Christ was God was the growth of the church. Anyway, back to Foucault. So he left nothing. He touched lives. He touched my life. Because when I was looking for resources on interreligious dialogue, on how to go, I learned from him presence. It's not always about speaking. It's about loving. And Miriam and I set up a language school for new migrants together, right in the heart of the Muslim areas where there have been difficulties. And it's still thriving to this day. 100 women coming from the Muslim community to sit in a church where there's a crucifix and there's symbols of Christ, posters, but sharing friendship and learning a little bit. They ask questions about your faith and invite you to weddings. It's presence, brothers and sisters presence and that's what Foucault um, teaches us so his life wasn't a failure and I think you could you can correct me on this there might be 21 little groups of brothers and sisters now there's a lot aren't there around the world people who've got inspired by Foucault formed little communities and gone off so he's if a seed doesn't die isn't that right if it abides alone but if it dies it bears forth fruit, and the fruit of Foucault's life, life is all around us in all sorts of hidden ways. But I want to finish with this. This is his spirituality in a brief testament. Remember, though, that I want to do the prayer of abandonment, too, that that's the one thing he's really known for. Do you know that prayer? I'll do it at the end. But this, Jesus came to Nazareth, the place of the hidden life, of ordinary life, of family life, of prayer, of work, of obscurity, of other virtues, practiced with no witness other than God, his friends and neighbors. Nazareth, the place where most of us lead our lives. We must infinite respect the least of our brothers. Let us mingle with them. Let us be one of them. 
to the extent that God wishes and treat them fraternally in order to have the honour and joy of being accepted as one of them. This is deeply incarnational, deeply being present in that place. So there just um, some lines of his prayer of abandonment to conclude. This is his uh, famous prayer. Father, I abandon myself in your hands. Do with me what you will. For whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me as in all your creatures. Amen. If you pray that, look out. Thank you.